Every year I know we gonna go hard We been that team ever since Bart Starr All my cheese heads go pack go Ain't showing no mercy cutting no slack no I ain't a bad sport and I'll leave Welcome to Lombardi's Legends Podcast This is Wags and joining me as always is Dane And what a difference a week makes Recording this on a Tuesday after Packers victory So we get in the win column, and Dane, it was a much, much, much uh, better game to digest and uh, wake up after the game on the next day than, than it was in week one. Yeah, um, you know, there's there's still things to be looking at, but I'll tell you what, Wags, it feels so good that the offense seemed to be clicking on, I wouldn't say all cylinders, but most cylinders, and they and they had that attacking attitude in the second half. And, I mean, what can we say about Aaron Jones? But, holy smoke, he looked like he was shot out of a cannon all night. Great to see Aaron Jones in midseason form in week two. He put on a dominating performance on national TV. For sure. So, uh, in this episode, we're going to, uh, we're definitely going to get into the breakdown here with the, both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Uh, maybe hand out a couple of game balls. And, uh, then, uh, do a very, very, very quick, uh, sneak preview uh, of next week. So, uh, Dane, yeah, I think it starts definitely on the offensive side of the ball and Aaron Jones. It was, uh, his night, wasn't it? Because, uh, that first series, Aaron Jones had more carries than he had in the entire game against the Newark Saints and, uh, capped off by a, uh, it was technically a pass from Aaron Rodgers uh, to get into the end zone. So uh, it was clear that this uh, Packers coaching staff uh, wanted to make sure that things started with Aaron Jones and they just kept rolling with him the whole night. Wags, this is the offense at its best is with Aaron Jones. And listen, the, the numbers aren't going to blow you away, the, the yards. Uh, you know, it looks like I think you have about 65, 67 yards on 17 carries. Um, however, receiving out of the backfield in addition to that, uh, he caught three of those touchdowns yeah, through the air. Um, pretty remarkable overall game, almost 50 yards receiving, you know, has this nose for the end zone uh, between the, the, the 10 and the goal line as well. Not the biggest back on the planet, but just has a way of finding a crease to get in the end zone. And, um, Wags, this is the key to success for this offense. Yes, you've got Aaron Rodgers. Yes, you've got Devontae Adams. Yes, you've got all these other weapons. However, when Aaron Jones gets going, that makes everybody else that much better. And, um, you know, in week two, he proved Goody and, and everybody right to give him that second contract. He's a good guy off the field and on the field. He's just absolutely dynamic. And I think it's good for the national media and national fans to get a sense of what we get to see week in and week out. Aaron Jones is for real. Yeah, and with those six receptions at 23 total touches, so anytime you can get 20 or more touches for Aaron Jones, that's a really good day at the office for him. You said only averaged 3.9 yards per carry. It seemed like he was a little bit more productive than that, uh, but there were some situations where the Lions were able to fill some holes or get some penetration into the backfield. So that young offensive line uh, was pretty good most of the night, but I, I think they did get beaten a few times. So there are still some things to clean up up front, but you've got to be encouraged by what they did. That first 
drive, as I said, six carries for Aaron Jones. Uh, they handed the ball off to him the first three plays, uh, picked up a first down and then ran again on first down uh, before the next play, throwing on play action to Devontae Adams. So, again, all right, let's get our main guys involved. Uh, they clearly did that. Devontae Adams had an extremely productive night, or a workmanlike night for him with eight receptions and 121 yards. Uh, so between those two guys, it was pretty pretty clear uh, that this uh, Packers offense and the coaching staff decided, let's get back to the basics. And uh, I think it, it proved to enable this offense to hum a little bit for most of the night. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, and Devon, you, you mentioned Devontae Adams and, and you know, just another ho-hum 100-yard game for Devontae Adams, right? I mean, he's just he, – he's so fantastic, and he gets them in bunches. That, that 50-yard bomb that Rodgers was able to complete, I thought, in the third quarter there, I think really set the tone for the second half. And, I like, I'm looking at the snap counts at, at the wide receiver position, and obviously Devontae eats, right? He's got 57 snaps yesterday. Um, but MBF and Alan Lazard really split – the rest of the, the majority of the snaps, 43 for MVS and 42 for Lazard. Um, what I'm circling right now, though, is uh, Randall Cobb was next in line with 12, uh, but it seemed like he came on a little bit more there in the second half. Is that, do you think, um, you know, a preview of more to come? Randall Cobb maybe starting to work his way in uh, and getting more snaps. I know he's been a Packer for a long time, but he never really played in Coach LaFleur's offense. So now he comes in. I think he's getting more familiar with the offense. I would not be surprised, Wags, if as the season progresses, we see Randall Cobb get mixed in uh, a little bit more. And and noticeably, Amari Rodgers, no offensive snaps whatsoever at the wide receiver position. So um, folks that are looking for Amari Rodgers to make that impact, they're going to have to wait another week or maybe a a number of weeks because I think Randall Cobb is really going to work his way in. And you could see Aaron Rodgers' second half, finding Cobb and doing exactly why I think he came to Green Bay, which is to convert third down. Yeah, it's interesting what they're trying to do. Lazard didn't get a single target. Yeah. I thought he was open a few times, uh, particularly um, on that uh, Titanian touchdown. Obviously, we're not going to argue with the result. It's a beautiful pass and catch uh, by Bob Tunyon and Aaron Rodgers. Lazard was wide open on the middle. I, I definitely saw it on that play. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to tell uh, with the camera angles if he was open on other plays. But I think there was a couple other plays, too, that uh, he may have been open. And I don't, I don't know if he just wasn't part of the progression from Aaron or um, if he was uh, running a different route or what may have been going on. But it was interesting uh, that he wasn't targeted at all and, and really, obviously, along with everyone else, had a very, very quiet week one. So, um if it's Randall Cobb that's the beneficiary as uh, perhaps that second wide receiver that's getting more looks thrown his way, uh, I'm, I'm fine with that as long as he's producing. Randall, all three of his targets, uh, came up with a big first down and a third down situation, a third and long. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it's helpful uh, to get guys that uh, can be trusted by Aaron. There were a couple of situations in the first half MBS specifically, again, we highlighted it after week one, looked like he ran the wrong route. And it really bunches things up. And I don't know if 
that was what Aaron was shaking his head at a couple of times. But uh, it looked like Aaron, even on a night when the offense seemed to be pretty productive, was slightly or frustrated at something at times. And uh, I did notice that that was, uh, uh, you know, an issue on several plays, uh, particularly in that second drive uh, where the Packers uh, had a ball thrown deep to MBS. It, it bounced off of the quarterback's uh, helmet. Uh, and then on the next play, uh, it looked like they were trying to look for him, and, and they got a little bit bunched up, MBS and Bob Cunyon. So I don't know if one of them, which one of them may have ran the wrong route, but clearly one of them was not in the right spot on the field. Um, so that's what Randall Cobb can bring. So there's a long way of getting back to that point. But uh, I think Randall Cobb, obviously, Aaron knows he's going to be in the right spot on the field. And oh, listen, MVS, uh, he's going to still need to make that deep threat connection with Aaron. Uh, but uh, if he's not able to be more consistent, and that's that's what we we were hearing coming into this season. And I was kind of in a I'll believe it when I see it mode. Um, and I hope it happens. But MBS still needs to show a little bit more consistency in, in his route running. And uh, then on those deep throws, I know Aaron overthrew him a few times, but he's got to make a play on the ball. I mean, when the ball bounces off the cornerback's head, Dane, don't you think it's a play that MBS, when he turns, should be able to, you know, make a play on the ball in those types of situations and perhaps even come up with a catch and an out of play like that? You know, I, I, I hear you. I do. I, I think Phil Rogers missed him deep on a couple of those balls as well. I mean, we could be having a much different night if Rogers connected on one or both of those deep shots, and all of a sudden then we're talking about MBS having 100-plus yards and, and, you know, a touchdown or two. So I, I hear you. I think that we need to believe it when we see it. But I also think that MBS is making more and more um, – I, I was actually encouraged by him in week one. I thought overall, you're right, I couldn't tell on a couple of those routes where he went, but I'm, I'm hoping that the timing gets better going into week three. Um, I, I will say that I think that um, a lot of these receivers missing some of the mini camps and, and um, you know, of course, Rodgers not being there either, um, and then kind of coming in for the preseason but not playing any preseason, that could definitely um, impact some of the timing. Now, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, that timing, I, I assume, is going to naturally be there, and we're seeing that. But with MVS and some of these others, I wish they could have probably gotten a couple more uh, reps, uh, you know, live reps or or throughout the offseason, because I think that that's what's missing. But I do think, Wags, as the season progresses, I think, and I'm hopeful, but I really do believe that MBS is going to um, be able to emerge out of this receiver group as another threat. I hope you're right. I'm still and I'll believe it when I see it mode. And, and for me, it's just the little things. I, I, I know he was overthrown, as I said, on a few of those. But, you know, it's the little things to make the quarterback trust you. When the ball bounces off the receiver's or the cornerback's helmet, the receiver should be able to get his hands on the ball. But that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying he definitely should have caught that pass. But um got to make sure you're running the right route and that you're on the same page and you know, if you're if you're not communicating or, or running the incorrect route, and I I don't mean to blame MBS, but could have been Tanya running the wrong route on that third down play too. Uh, however, uh, it, it, either way, uh, those are the things that can't be happening because we do need someone uh, aside from Devonte Adams to step up. And if that's Randall Cobb, great. I don't know if he's at the point in his career that 
I'm going to feel comfortable with Randall Cobb as our true number two receiver. So uh, either MBS or, or Lazard, for me, need to figure things out and get on the same page with Aaron in a hurry. We can't be waiting three, four more weeks because Devontae's going to face a lot of bracket coverage, a lot of double teams, and some much, much better defenses moving forward. So um, not to, you know, brush over what was a good performance for the offense, but that's definitely a concern for me uh, as we move forward, and, and we're going to need it starting this week. Weg, we talked about the receivers. We talked about the running backs. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers for a second. Uh, a lot of question marks after week one, uh, a lot of narrative out there. Um, how do you feel after two weeks? Uh, with Aaron Rodgers. Did he show that he's back to normal? What was your impression? Well, he looked good last night. There's no not, no denying that. Uh, only threw the ball 27 times. Uh, was accurate for the most part, aside from those deeper throws. Uh, I know after the game, he said that, you know, he felt like he missed. So he was taking responsibility for that, which is totally fair. Um, and I think if we get that from him, it was, kind of, it was about the performance you expected. The four touchdown passes was a little bit deceiving considering, uh, you know, uh, three of those went to Aaron Jones and were right around the goal line. So they may as well have done rushing touchdowns in some respects. I, I know technically when he was rolling out and, and hit, hit, uh, Jones with the two yard touchdown reception, but, uh, he, he was, he was good. Um, and I guess for me, this offense, showed signs, and you know, you're not going to take anything away from what they did last night, but I don't think they're all the way back. Um, after what I saw in week one and, and some of the inconsistency I saw uh, behind Aaron Jones and Devontae and, and Bob Tunyon had a nice game, uh, we're going to need other guys. Uh, and that's I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. And we'll get more into that in our uh, preview uh, of this week when we get to the 49er preview later in the week. But um, we'll take it. We'll take it for sure. So Aaron um, certainly took care of the ball and uh, didn't make uh, any mistakes, passing or fumbles or anything of that nature. Um, offensive line, Dane, I think, did a pretty good job of, of protecting up front. Uh, as you said, clean-like effort in the rush game. Uh, what did you see from particularly some of the younger guys up front? Because John Tunyon, or I'm sorry, uh, not John Tunyon, John Runyon <laughs> Jr. Um, rhymes with Tunyon. Uh, and John Runyon Jr. getting the start uh, in place of Lucas Patrick. Uh, you know, of course, we, we've got um, Newman starting at the other guard position uh, and uh, Myers at center. So uh, Runyon technically a second-year guy, but a lot of young guys in the interior of the offensive line. What did you see from those guys last night? Yeah, I thought that Runyon played um, terrific. Um, from, from everything I saw live action, have not had a chance to look closer at last night's game yet. Uh, but I will say that I thought that Runyon played very, very well. Um, he, uh, he had 35 pass-blocking opportunities, and he kept Aaron Rodgers clean um, on, on those 35 snaps. Also, a, a lot of the, the work playing at the left guard position um, that's where a lot of the, the runs, you know, were they were successful was on his backside along with, you know, you guessed it, Elton Jenkins. On the other side, though, Royce Newman, I think 
he's looking a little bit like a fourth round pick, right? And, and I think that that's to be expected long term. I think Royce Newman is going to be the right fit potentially for that right guard spot. But like, I wouldn't be surprised completely if um, going into next week and beyond, Lucas Patrick is competing uh, for a guard spot. And, uh, and and very likely, I could see him battling with Royce Newman at the right guard spot, at least until uh, David Bakhtiari returns, at which point the Packers are going to do some significant reshuffling of this offensive line. Uh, but I thought that um, big thumbs up from Runyon. I think Royce looked a little bit more like a rookie, which is to be expected. Um, gave up a sack. I uh, thought that there was a couple breakdowns there in coverage with him. And then you mentioned Myers. Um, he is not playing like a rookie at all. I, I've, I've been really impressed with him at center. Uh, he seems to be reading Aaron Rodgers really well. He's able to get the snap count off. Uh, he's doing a lot of the difficult things. He, uh, I, I didn't see too much. It seemed like he was recognizing uh, quite a bit in the blocking from what I could see, from the, again, from TV. But really impressed by Myers, incredibly impressed by Runyon. And I think that Newman, at least for week two, had a little bit more challenges, uh, and I, I think that this week the Packers are going to take a, another look at it in practice. However, Wegg, I would not be surprised if the five guys that we saw last night is the same five guys that we see uh, next week on Sunday night football against San Francisco 49ers, just because I think that the Packers really want to get continuity in there. Newman has played well enough to keep his job for now, and the Packers are, are working at a place of strength right now, the fact that they have somebody like Lucas Patrick that they can plug in if need be. I was just going to say that. I was curious what you answered the question I was going to ask. Uh, if you thought that Runyon would remain in a starting role, uh, presuming that Patrick is ready to go this coming week. Nice thing is Patrick can fill in all three interior line yep. positions if needed. So uh, having him as a backup is almost kind of a, a, a nice spot to have him. Uh, not saying that he hasn't played some good football, but he'll still be out there, I think, quite a bit. It's just to be expected uh, with, with the way that injuries can happen, even of the minor variety. So, Dane, I think one other shout-out I wanted to give. Uh, we talked about Bob Tunyon. What about Dami Daff? Some of the blocking, we know Mercedes Lewis, what an amazing blocker he is from the tight end position. But Daphne had a career high in snaps. Uh, didn't get the ball thrown his way, but I was really impressed, particularly um, on a couple of uh, uh, blocks from Aaron Jones. Uh, the first touchdown, he really set a, a great seal on the edge. And uh, you could see him out there uh, with some of the blocks. He had some of the key blocks. Uh, in some of those plays that sprung Aaron Jones. Uh, so uh, he's clearly carving a role for himself, and uh, seems like he's an important guy to get this run game going. Uh, so kudos to Daphne. And uh, it was interesting that both Mercedes Lewis and Daphne outsnapped Bob Tunyon, uh, which yeah. is a little bit of a surprise. But uh, clearly all of those guys were able to make an impact on the game. Yeah, I mean, good for Dominic Daphne, right? And it'll be interesting to see how the Packers work, um, just, excuse me, Josiah Deguara back when he's available to come back. Um, but Daphne is proving to be somebody, and we saw this last season, Legs. He's proving to be somebody that it's, he's earned his right. He's a hard worker. He studies constantly and it, it shows up on the field. And he's listed as a tight end, but he plays that traditional fullback role so well for the Packers. Uh, and, and, you know, another thing to keep in mind is, um, as of this recording, the Packers, um, Jay Sternberger 
came off of the uh, the um, the suspended list, and he's been released by the team. Now, could he come back to the Packers uh, as a practice squad candidate? Absolutely. Do I think he's going to? No. I think he's probably going to move on and try to latch on somewhere else where it's not as crowded uh, of a position group. But I think that Dominic Daphne uh, has really settled in as his role. And, Wiggs, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of this. Uh, this offense is uh, successful when he's out on the field, whether he's playing more of an inline spot more uh, uh, or more of a, uh, a fullback role. So good on Dominic Daphne. He thought he played well. And then, Wags, I also I want to ask you, Tunyon only got 28 snaps, but did it not feel like he was out there a ton more than that? I thought he was so, so disruptive last night. He was very productive, and I thought that he clearly made an impact in the game, primarily as a wide receiver. I guess I wasn't really paying all that much attention to him as a blocker. Uh, I thought Daphne stood out much more, but part of that is because Daphne was lined up in more of a flanker position just out just off the line of scrimmage, so you kind of tend to notice him a little bit more before the play. That said, uh, really, really great, good game from Bob Tarnian last night, and, and I was pleased to see him get going. Uh, yeah, what a great touchdown catch that was. I know I mentioned it earlier, but uh, really, really um, is is an important part of this offense for sure, uh, so good to see him get going. Last thing I want to touch on really quickly, Dane, if you don't mind, is I thought it was interesting that we started to see a little bit more of A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones out on the field at the same time. Uh, last year, the last couple of years, actually, we had uh, Tyler Irvin in kind of a motion role, and that hasn't been part of the first couple of weeks of this offense. Uh, I, we thought maybe Amari Rogers or Randall Cobb would be the guy that might take some of those um, – spots on the field and do some of that pre-stamp motion that we've seen. And perhaps that's coming, but you have to wonder if the coaching staff decided that they wanted to focus on having more impactful players or guys that they felt like could make more of an impact to the offensive game plan and uh, not some of those fringe guys that they've had to rely on with with Irvin uh, last year, particularly before he got hurt. So uh, I don't know if there's any takeaways you have from that or if you think that they might be maybe changing up how they approach uh, using those uh, different running backs uh, uh, when they have multiple guys out on the field at the same time. We saw Dylan uh, spring some blocks as well. Um, didn't get a ton of carries, just five carries again last night, no recep- or one reception, but uh, certainly uh, was out there for a decent number of snaps. So any, I don't know if you have any thoughts or takeaways on that as well. Well, it's a really good uh, thing to spot, and I, I think you're right. I, I think that the Packers are going to do their best to get the best players out on the field this year. And, and A.J. Dillon is just a good football player. Um, so finding a way to get both he and Aaron Jones out, and it's something that I think is really impressive with Dillon, and he just showed it again last night, Lags, is he's got some really soft hands for a big man. Right, and, and not just for a big man. He just looks natural catching the football, and that adds another dynamic to this offense. Is if you got AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones out there at the same time, and and you know you don't know if it's going to be a run or a pass, it becomes a pass. He is just as much of a threat as anybody to catch the football. He looks that good. So um, I think it remains to be seen. I, I'm wondering if this is a week-to-week proposition or if this is going to be more routine. But, I, Wags, I do think that we're going to see more A.J. Dillon getting worked in 
Although, um, I will say that I think with Aaron Jones' nose for the football, I don't expect A.J. Dillon to be that traditional um, goal line kind of guy. I think that his body build makes fans think he could be that. But I, Aaron Jones is just too good in that role. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see him quite a bit more, though, between the 20s and also allowing a, a series here and there to give Aaron Jones a rest because I think he's good enough. Uh, he's going to need to continue to uh, grow and progress as a pass blocker. That was something that we saw again last night. He kind of got blown up a little bit, blown backwards, but I thought overall he had a very, very strong week two performance. I think it's something that he's going to be able to build on. For sure. And, and I think it makes sense to do that. It's obviously, you said, I mentioned Tyler Irvin, and then he gets hurt. Now you don't need to rely on a guy like Tavon Austin that you bring up yeah. street to give you that same look that you're trying to do on the offensive side of the ball. It's an established guy in A.J. Dillon. And they, he's not going to do the exact same things Irvin and Austin were trying to do, but I think they can get some of the, the different types of, um, of looks and, and maybe more getting Aaron Jones moving around a little bit more, uh, lined up in the slot. So I, I'm excited to see what, what develops out of that because I do think we'll continue to see more and more of that as the season goes forward. Wait, right, real, real quick before yeah. we, we jump off this topic, and I want to be really quick on this one, but um, Kylan Hill, I know the special teams, but talking about that role, is he showing, because, I mean, he jumps off the screen every single time. He jumps off the field every single time he gets the ball in his hand. He's electric. It's clear. He's hurtling guys. He looks like he knows what he's doing with the football in his hands. Do you see, as the season progresses, him maybe getting worked in as well? Because I think he's showing, and if he continues to show it on special teams, he may be a guy as well that the Packers just want to mix in. And I'm not saying 20 snaps a game, but maybe 5 or 10 here or there, because I think that he looks like he just he fits the part right now. I mean, he got some offensive snaps last night. He got five snaps. And so I, I don't think it's going to be much more than that, uh, depending mm-hmm. on the game flow. And especially if they're ahead, he might get a few. He's got his role. As long as Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are healthy, they're going to be the established guys. But certainly it's helpful when you've got someone in that third spot and, and he's getting a chance to re- as a return man. To obviously, he had a couple of nice returns last night. But if, if one of those guys goes down for a game or two, you've got to feel comfortable knowing that he can come in and carry a bigger load. So uh, I'm sure that it's something we could see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a, a game or two where Jones or Dylan may miss action, either for part of the game or for the whole game. So if that happens, I'm certainly very comfortable with Tyler Hill being able to come in and uh, take on an expanded role. But I think as long as those other two guys are healthy, uh, five or six snaps is probably about uh, as many as he's going to get in a given mm-hmm. night. So, Dane, I think before we go over to the defensive side, why don't we take a quick break? Week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off an action-packed week, is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any Week 3 game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook now and use promo code TPPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customer, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, we're back. So, Dane, why don't we dive into the defensive side of the ball? And I know you have thoughts. So, <laughs> just to keep this open-ended, where do you want to start when we're talking about the defense? Kevin King. Um, we'll start with Kevin King uh, and the pass rush are probably my two biggest concerns. Uh, we'll start with Kevin King, though. I, I thought, Wags, that last night, and I hate piling on guys, but they gave Kevin 56 snaps. Uh, Eric Stokes um, got a much higher snap count last night, 44 snaps. Shannon Sullivan only 18, which I was actually pretty surprised by. Um, but I thought that Kevin King, once again, giving up big plays, uh, looks lost at times. I, I, I just... I'm not sure how long he can get out on the field. I think everybody sees it. Um, even uh, last week we had our guest, uh, uh, our guest from Detroit Lions podcast come on and say, I know where I want our quarterback looking. I want him looking Kevin King's way. Um, it's, it's a rough slog if you're Kevin King right now. I think he's lost quite a bit of confidence as well. Um, big picture wags. Eric Stokes looks the part. Um, he's fluid. He moves well. He also has that makeup speed that when the ball's in the air, he can close in and get there. Um, that's not to say there's not going to be growing pains. I think there are going to be growing pains with Eric Stokes. He's a young guy. There's going to be miscommunication. We saw some last night early in the game as well. But I think, Wags, big picture, long-term, the 2021 football season, allow Eric Stokes to, to get in the game, get more snaps, earn more snaps, uh, allow for some of these growing pains to happen early in the season, now, uh, as opposed to later, just because I think that his floor is higher and his ceiling is through the roof, uh, whereas Kevin King, uh, while at times can be serviceable, uh, is uh, we kind of know who Kevin King is at this point, and I think with um, some of the loss of confidence that I see from him, I see the body language, um, I, I just think it's time to make this move. It's not always an easy move to make, and I know that the, the coaching staff is going to do everything that they think is right for this team. But, Wags, I've seen enough. I think it's time to get Eric Stokes out there um, and, and, and make the impact because I think with Jair Alexander on one side, Stokes on the other side, while we might see some growing pains early, I really, really believe that in the long-term, big picture of this season, Stokes is going to make this football team better. And I'm curious what your take is on this as well. Am I being too reactionary, or, or do you think that I'm in line right now? No, you're not being too reactionary, Dan. You're so cautious. Last week, uh, not sure if you were ready to call it, but uh, I think it's already happened, don't you think? I mean, it took Detroit two plays before they started picking on Kevin King. So they run the ball first down in their first series. They only pick up a yard. And then they throw it underneath, pick up nine yards, going against Kevin King, who's playing 15 yards off the receiver. And then very next play, they go deep on Kevin King and beat him over the top while he's playing 15 yards over the receiver. So obviously, 
other teams know that he is the weak link and that he can be exploited in multiple ways. So I, I, and I, they, they put, you know, they put Stokes right out there and he was lining up at the boundary then at the end of that series when he did have that miscommunication and, and a bit hard resulting in the touchdown to Cephas for Detroit. Uh, but after that, I thought it was interesting, as you said, that, uh, King was still getting a lot of snaps at the, um, you know, at, at Shannon Sullivan's expense, and it was King that was lined up more in Sullivan's position in the slot, and I don't know if that was something that was part of the plan from the defensive coaching staff, or if they wanted to see how Kevin could play from that position, if they feel like Kevin King maybe has a little bit more upside than what Sullivan does, and they'd rather get him out on the field. I have a hard time seeing Kevin King playing in the slot. When we, there's going to be matchups where there's going to be guys that are just going to eat him alive from yeah. that spot. In my opinion, he just doesn't have the quickness or uh, the ability to have, you know, his hips are just not very fluid. Uh, you have to have both of those things from the slot. Uh, I just don't see him being a long-term answer there. I, there might be other spots that they can get him out there um, if they feel like they need to. But uh, to me, it was already happened. I, it was clearly uh, Strokes getting the majority of the looks out on the boundary, um, the, the puzzling thing to me was in the first half that they had both King and Stokes on the same side of the field. So inexperience and uh, and weakness, and Detroit was still attacking that side of the field. So I think they need to, to change that up. If they're going to still have Kevin King out there instead of Chan Sullivan, I'd prefer uh, to see you know someone else uh, share the same side of the field with Stokes uh, other than Kevin King. Uh, let's try to see if we can basically put a band-aid on that, if we, if you will. I, I'm not sure if there's something specifically that the coaching staff uh, didn't like with what they saw from, from Sullivan or what, what the reason for that was. But, Dane, I do think it's already happened. And I expect Stokes with um, some of the nice pass breakups that he had in the second half uh, to be started next week. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, like, I just I think this defense from, from the eyeball test be yeah, at its best. Stokes and Jair Alexander on the outside and Shannon Sullivan in the slot. Um, I just, I think Kevin King, there could be a role for him. I think that in certain dime situations, I think at certain moments in the game, there are times where Kevin King can get some snaps, but I just, I, I, I just don't see this being a long-term solution to have Kevin King in the slot either. And it makes me a little bit nervous that they were even working that out last week. I just don't think that he's the fit for that for all the reasons that you mentioned. Um, if anything, I would like him to get back, um, you know, and, and kind of uh, limit his staff a little bit, try to get his head right, and maybe give it a shot as the season progresses. But at this point, I just I, I think it's kind of malpractice to have Kevin King out there for, for um, major snaps uh, for this defense. So let's talk about the defensive line, because I know you're mm-hmm. a little bit frustrated with that group as well. Are you surprised that it's, you know, Kingsley Kiki, um, Dean Lowry, and Tyler Lancaster getting as many snaps as they are? Obviously, Kenny Clark is leading the way, 48 snaps, but it's Lowry and Kiki, 34 and 32 respectively, and then Tyler, Tyler Lancaster with 18. Uh, TJ Slayton only had six snaps, and I'm not saying that he deserves more. I, I don't know, though. I'm just kind of curious to yeah. hear what you think because I, I, this is a tougher one for me because this is a little bit of a personnel problem uh, with this group. I just don't think we have a lot of talent 
uh, Kenny Clark, very talented. Uh, Kingsley Kiki has shown flashes as a pass rusher, has gotten off to a pretty slow start this season. Just a, a very, very poor game by his standards in week one, and I didn't really think that he had the best game last night either. Um, so what are your thoughts with this defensive line group? Because uh, we'll get into the edge guys next, but we need to, yeah. to get more from this group, so what can we do here? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's a good question, Wags, and I, I look at Kingsley Kiki. Let's start with him, because I, I don't want to really, we don't need to talk about Kenny Clark. We know what he can provide. We know what he provides. I think with Kingsley Kiki, um, I, I start to wonder, is he a three-down lineman right now uh, at this stage in his career? Uh, what I worry uh, about with him is that you put him in there for for these um, these run snaps, and and to a much lesser extent, this is we're going way back. But if you remember when Kabir Baha Biamilo was a, a Green Bay back, much different player, much different style of player. Um, however, very good pass rusher. When you ask him to get in there and, and play, you know, three down as a defensive lineman, we ran into serious problems. And I worry with Kingsley Kiki. What we're doing is we're giving him too many high snaps on first and second down and, and not allowing him to flourish and develop as what I think he could potentially be, which is a very strong or at least a serviceable pass rusher uh, from, from the interior. And right now what we're seeing is he's playing the three downs. He's not being impactful in the run game. And, in fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Pro Football Focus had him rated as the lowest graded defensive player on the team. And this is the second straight game. And then uh, come third down, you know, he's worn down. He doesn't have the fresh legs. And, and I'm wondering if we are, um, you know, hamstringing ourselves a little bit and limiting ourselves. And, and, you know, you mentioned somebody like a TJ Slayton. I know he's young. I know he was a fifth-round pick, but Wegg, I think that he has all of the makings of being a guy who can, you know, hold up well, at least against the run. And I, I, I and forgive me, I don't have the, his snap counts right in front of me, but I think he had like six or so snap, six snap counts, yeah, yesterday. I'd like to see that a little higher. I'd like to see that closer to 10 to 12, even, just to limit that, that pass rush a little bit. I noticed as well that Jack Heflin, who really flashed in the preseason, uh, what was, um, was not active again. And again, I'm not asking Jack Heflin, undrafted kick from Iowa to come in here and play 20 snaps, but I'm wondering if, you know, his bread and butter, I think, is going to be kind of as that run stuffing guy, as is TJ Slayton. If we're able to get them a couple more snaps just to limit Kingsley Kiki, maybe Kingsley Kiki, instead of playing 32 snaps, is playing closer to 20 to 25 snaps, if that allows for the defense to have a little bit more of an impact. Now again, I'm not the coach. Uh, they know what's right for them. They're progressing these guys where they need to. But um, I think in a perfect world, I would like to see them help lighten the load of Kingsley Kiki a little bit because I think Kiki has uh, all the talent in the world. He showed it last year uh, on more fresh legs to be able to rush the passer. And, and right now, I think the biggest problem we have is getting to the quarterback. Jared Goff at times, I, I joked about it on Twitter last night, Wags, uh, from Lombardi's Leg- at Lombardi's Legends Twitter, was that, you know, he's looking like Joe Montana back there. And the reason for that is they could not get a hand on him, and, and it started really up front, the defensive line not getting the pressure. So, uh, you know, looking at, looking ahead, I would like to see them limit it a little bit more uh, just because I think he can be impactful. And when we're missing, especially somebody like Darius Smith, I think we need to throw everything we can at the pass rush, especially when we have some defensive linemen that, although unproven, the bread and butter is stopping the run. Interesting. I, you know, obviously, from a coaching standpoint, it's, you're not going to take Kenny Clark off the field too often. Uh, especially when the guys behind him clearly don't hang close to his talent level. 
Kingsley Kiki's the guy that he looks the part, but to your point, he's he, he's better as a pass rusher um, from the interior offensive line than he may be as a, a run defender. And even if he is slightly better as a run defender right now than T.J. Slayton or Jack Heflin is, I'd rather, uh, I think your plan makes sense, I'd rather get those guys on the field and obvious run get downs and, and Kiki as much as possible for higher leverage pass situations because while we don't expect the sacks necessarily to come from these interior uh, defensive linemen, we need to get a push up the middle, and we're getting nothing up the middle right now. Uh, and I think that's making uh, it a lot harder for these edge guys, uh, which we go ahead and swing over and talk to them. They've had their own problems, and, and I'm not excusing that lack of production uh, based on the play of the defensive line. Uh, but uh, what what can we do about this group? Because uh, same same problem. It's concerning to me that I get Zedaria Smith is out, uh, but we're talking about having to rotate Lashawn Gary and Preston Smith out on early downs. They're getting worn down. When you look at the stamp count uh, for the outside linebackers, uh, it was 44 for Gary and 46 for Smith, and Chanson Garvin and Chauncey Rivers had 11 and 13 respectively. Uh, so here's another hard problem. There's a significant drop-off in talent when you go from, from Smith and Gary to Garvin and Rivers. So what do you do if you're the defensive coaching staff? Because I don't think it's as simple as saying, well, we've got to get more snaps for those other two guys. Because every play counts. And if they're not able to be productive when they're out on the field, it's going to be a problem for this Packers defense. So, uh, I, I'm not sure if they need a little bit more help um, from their inside linebackers to dial up some additional pressures, uh, both in a run or a pass blitzing situation. Uh, but uh, clearly, these guys are, are not, you know, fairly productive for a couple of games, somewhat quietly. Uh, he was able to, to be, I think, pretty productive, uh, more so than he was last year. But we need more from these guys as a whole uh, because uh, uh, Jared Goff, my goodness, you said last night when he's got all day to throw, uh, he's not a world leader by any means, but no. these guys, uh, NFL quarterbacks, if they've got that much time to throw, they'll start to pick you apart. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Goff, I mean, Goff is by no, by no means a world leader, but I mean, he can make the throws, right? He can make the throws when you're not touched. It's easy to make those throws then. Um, to answer your question, I don't know, um, the outside linebacker position in particular, I mean, this is going to be a conundrum of Joe Barry. Um, what what does he do now to help manufacture and get pressure? Do the Packers bring another defensive back up in the box in certain situations and maybe um, try to disguise and confuse quarterbacks? Is, is it the inside linebackers? I mean, I will say, Wags, that I was pretty impressed by Devondre Campbell after a slow start in week one and early in week two thought that he was able to, um, you know, play, show quite a bit in week two. He had a fair number of tackles, obviously had that interception off of that Jonathan Garvin pressure late in the game as well. Um, but, Wags, I mean, I, I, I looking at it, I think the Packers are going to have to get creative and try to manufacture different looks. And is it limiting Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary a little bit more on first and second down? Absolutely. But, I mean, that doesn't mean that we can have Jonathan Garvin and Chauncey Rivers out there starting games and, and getting more meaningful snaps than Gary and Preston. 
Preston Smith. So I think the jury is still out. I think this is definitely the conundrum of a Joe Barry defense going into week three. But, I mean, they shook it up. They decided that Mike Patton was no longer the guy. They brought in Coach Barry. And now I think it's up to him to find guys uh, to, to put in the right position to make some plays and try to really alleviate some of the pressure of the defensive backs who at times were being asked to cover receivers for five, six seconds, which is just unacceptable at the National Football League level. And I think as fans, sometimes it's easy to say, oh, we should put that's going to pose some problems potentially in other, yeah. other areas, and especially if you don't get home. Isn't it easy answer here, Dane? And it's not easy in terms of a solution, but easy as in what we need in order to fix this problem is Rashawn Gary needs to step up and become the impact player we think he can be. Yeah. He hasn't shown it yet. Uh, we've been hearing it. We've been waiting for it. He showed it flashes of it in the second half of last season. First two weeks, he hasn't shown them. Uh, so he needs to step up and start to be that guy. Uh, and that solves a lot of our problems right there because – Preston Smith is never going to be someone that's going to lead the league in, in sacks by any no. means. And we're lucky if he gets uh, approaching double-digit sacks in a season. That's just not the guy he is. I think he does a, a nice job of getting pressure. Uh, isn't necessarily the, the primary table setter in terms of, of getting sacks on the quarterback. Deshaun Gary needs to be a star. He needs to step up and have a breakout. And uh, if that doesn't happen... This is going to be a tough season for the Packers defense, no matter what, uh, even when Zedarius Smith comes back. Uh, we're counting on Rashawn Gary to take it to that next level. It hasn't happened yet, and I think just maybe that's a little bit of tough talk, but I think that's what the Packers coaching staff is going to be looking for uh, when they're working in the film room. It's, you know, Rashawn, you know, you're putting in the effort, but we need you to get home and, and start making some impact plays. Yeah, and, you know, I think that, uh, it sounds like after week one, the Packers also were calling around, shopping potentially for a linebacker. Now, not clear if that was inside linebacker or outside linebacker, but um, judging by the Zadarius Smith news, I've got to think that they were looking for an edge rusher to try to bring in. It sounds like uh, they weren't able to land anybody at that time, but Wags, I've got to think that Goody and the front office is continuing to look into that, and additionally, the Packers went ahead and signed Ladarius Hamilton off Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice squad. Um, he was not active this past week because he just got to town, but I'm, I'm wondering if they throw him into the mix as well. Now, is he going to be an upgrade over Chauncey Rivers or, or Jonathan Garvin? Heck, I, I have no idea. Sounds like he was in Dallas and then Tampa Bay's practice squad this past season, had a sack in the preseason and some pressures. Who knows? Um, it's certainly not the, um, you know, the, the star that I think a lot of Packer fans are hoping that they're able to add, but I will say that um, I think that the team is going to continue to be looking to try to add talent at the outside linebacker position. It's just, it's, it's a tough, it's tough going, right? And, and your pass rush is going to suffer when your best pass rusher goes down. So that means guys have to step up and, and you're right. I think it's going to have to start with Rashawn Gary. He's the guy that the Packers invested a lot of draft capital in. I believe he's the 12th overall pick in that draft, and he's in year three. They need him to really start to keep that mantle from Darius Smith starting now. Otherwise, it's going to be potential for some shootout games in the next few weeks because the Packers, if they're not able to get home to the quarterback, we're going to continue to see what we saw in the first half against Detroit, and my fear wags 
is when they're playing more talented quarterbacks down the road, you're just going to get picked apart. I don't know how you get off the field if you can't get to the quarterback. And they're not even saying sack the quarterback, but just don't give them four seconds back there because NFL quarterbacks are going to make those throws more often than they don't. For sure. And I think it's it's one of those things where we're going to have to keep an eye on. And we're saying all of this, by the way, uh, in a game that the Packers defense pitched a second shutout in the second half. Now, a part yeah. of that was because the offense did a great job of marching down the field and putting up points and, and taking care of the uh, time of possession in the second half. Um, gee, it's amazing how much of a difference that can make for a defense. But yeah. also, I think the weather obviously had an impact on, on, on those two turnovers that Detroit had. Um, and, and their inability, I think, to retain that rhythm that they had in the first half. Taking nothing away from the Packers defense, I just didn't really see, you know, a significant increase in pressure in the second half. It was more Detroit shooting themselves in the foot than anything else. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, they did the job and were able to keep Detroit from, from putting up any points in the second half and enabled the Packers to pull away. So, Dane, any other thoughts overall on this one? I, I know you mentioned the special teams earlier. Um, I thought, uh, at least for this game, for once we were, you know, at least average at worst uh, in terms of our mm-hmm. special teams, which is, I guess, uh, a step forward. Um, so I, I don't really have any thoughts there, but just any other closing thoughts overall uh, as we uh, finish off this uh, week two recap? You know, as we record this, Wags, just a couple other things that are coming out as we're actually doing this. Uh, it sounds like LaFleur during his press conference here making it sound like Chief Sternberger likely will not be back on the practice squad. Not a surprise, but just noteworthy. Uh, and also we talked about Shannon Sullivan. It sounds like he got banged up in this one. Not sure how much that impacted the, uh, the, the snaps in the second half or not. LaFleur saying that he thinks that he's going to be okay, but that there was some kind of injury concern there. So just a couple things to keep an eye on. It doesn't clear anything up necessarily, but something that I think that we should be aware of before we go into week three. I think that the week three defensive backfield is going to be a bit of a wild card. I'm really fascinated to see how that goes and I'm really excited that we're one and one and we're not talking about an 0-2 team after losing a game at home against the Lions. We took care of business against the division team. Now we need to build on the success. Yep, absolutely. So, folks, thanks so much for listening. And uh, we uh, obviously are on a slightly different schedule this week because of the Monday night game. So we're going to be doing our preview for the Sunday night game against the 49ers on Friday this week instead of Thursday. So um, just give us a little bit more time to digest this one. Luckily, since it's a late game Sunday, uh, we think you'll have plenty of time to catch that preview episode. So stay tuned for that coming up on Friday. Um, and again, thanks so much for uh, coming along for the ride. So any of you new listeners uh, that are joining us since we uh, partnered with uh, the Pigskin Podcast Network, uh, thanks so much for, for jumping on. We do have uh, older episodes of, of interviews with current and past players as well. So it's not all just uh, football-related stuff that is no longer relevant. Uh, so feel free to go check some of the archives. Those are all still out there. Um, some some really cool guests that we've had on, uh, both for players that are on the team this season, as well as some of those guys from previous Super Bowl championship teams uh, that have uh, joined the show in the past. So uh, thanks again for listening. And, Dane, as always, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! 
Every year I know we gonna go hard. We been that team ever since Bart Starr. All my cheese heads go pack go. Ain't show with no mercy, cutting no slack, no. I ain't a bad sport and I'll leave it with your good luck. Only thing I will say.